Hey, Starburns listeners, Ben Schwartz here, and I'm here to plug. Here I go. I am in a new movie with Noel Wells on Netflix. It is called Happy Anniversary. It is out right now. You All you have to do is basically go on your computer or whatever device you want. You just click on it, and there we are. It's, it's me. It's Noel Wells, and it's the story of a couple on their three-year anniversary. They wake up, and on that moment, Noel's character is done. She feels like she doesn't think she can take any more of the relationship. And throughout the course of the movie, which takes place in, over the course of 24 hours, you flash back to all the good, the bad everything that encompasses this relationship to try to find out if these two actually will stay together or if they won't stay together. It's right now. It is a romantic comedy. Me and Noel Wells, written, directed by Jared Stern. Netflix, happy anniversary. Starburns, lots of words, ending with exclamation. When's it going to end? It just did. Another tag. And now it's done. It's the Starburns Industries Tape of the Month Club. 12 original cassette tapes delivered to your door. Each month, you'll receive a crisp new cassette tape of auditory delights made by some of the most funky and creative artists around. Featuring Dino Stamatopoulos, Natalie Palamides, Johnny Pemberton, Dan Harmon, future ladies of wrestling, Alan Resnick and Dina Kalberman, Dynasty Handbag, Jeff B. Davis, Rob Schraub, Lance Bangs, DJ Doug Pound, Cron, Open Mike Eagle, Ron Lynch, and on and on and on. And on. Subscribe now. $13 gets you a crisp, unique tape in the mail each month. For $20, you receive a portable cassette player so you can listen to your tapes on the go. Here's how to order. For credit card customers, please call 747-888-0945. That's 747-888-0945. Or save COD charges and log onto the World Wide Web at d forward slash SBI dash P-R-E-S-S. It's a good deal. Hey everybody, what's up? It's me, Steve. I'm by myself today as Busy is on a deadline to finish her book. Um, so it'll just be me and I will most likely go into the email bin, see what you guys have to say, and um, we'll get a podcast recorded. <laughs> Sorry. I really did just wake up and come into my kitchen, sit down at my desk. And yeah, my desk is in my kitchen. I have a very small place. Um, and you can probably hear my refrigerator in the background. I would unplug it to make it silent, but um, I will 100% know for a fact that I will forget that I had unplugged it. And then later tonight, I'll come home and open the refrigerator. Everything will be warm and everything will stink. Actually, if you leave it closed, it stays cold for a while. That's I learned that you know when there's a power outage, don't open your refrigerator. Leave it closed <clears throat> uh, to preserve the contents. Um. So, but I'm not going to unplug my refrigerator because I will. I'll forget about. It. I forget everything now. The older I get, and I'm only 48. I say only. <laughs> I'm only 48. <laughs> but the older I get, uh, the more I forget things. For example, 
when uh, someone asked me to do their podcast or do stand up on a show or if my agents uh, call me to tell me I have an audition, I immediately have to write it down. I open my iPhone and I go into calendars and I have to put it down in my calendar or I will forget. It's kind of disturbing. I, I, I'm not a fan. Maybe I should take Ginkgo. <laughs> Any of you out there take Ginkgo, uh, <laughs> drop us a line um, and uh, let me know. <laughs> let me know what I... Can I do brain teasers and puzzles to help my memory? I'm not even joking. Send me your memory cures. <laughs> cures? Uh, I don't know. All I know is I forget everything and I'm 48. I will be 49 in about two weeks. Oh my God, my final year in, in my 40s. That's so weird. It is so weird to me how fast time goes. It just ramps up. The older you get, the faster it goes by. And I know it's because when you're a kid, you have no reference for time. So everything seems like it takes longer. But as you get life experience, everything uh, moves a little bit faster. And apparently I have a lot of life experience because it's just moving at the speed of light. Um, yeah, I'll be 49 on February 26th. I do say February. And I was reading that even though there is an R, you don't have to pronounce it. So if you say February, you're still right. Oh, my refrigerator just stopped. Listen to that glorious silence. It'd be funny if there was a gunshot. <laughs> uh, so yeah, where was I? I don't know where I was. I just, I forgot that already too. Um, I'm here by myself, as I said, Busy's working on her book. Um, I am feeling good. I feel good today. I woke up feeling all right. So, knock on wood. Um, I do need to clean my apartment. It is dusty. I live in a building that was built in the 20s. And... Let's just say it's not super, <laughs> super uh, ideal as far as like my door, my front door is huge. It's this big, thick, giant, just ch heavy, chunky wooden door. But over the years, <laughs> I don't know how this has happened. More and more space has grown between the top of my door and the top of the door jam. So I can literally take my finger and put it outside by putting it between the top of the door and the door jam. So needless to say, my place gets really dusty because air and pollen and shit from outside can get in. And also it's got hardwood floors, so the you can just really see the dust. It's not as bad as I'm making it sound right now. I don't live in a pigsty at the moment, but if I am not really diligent about 
vacuuming and dusting, it it builds up like so fast. And then that's when I feel it uh, in my sinuses with uh, allergies and stuff. As I do right now, I need to uh, do a good cleaning this week. Uh, I'll do a spring cleaning in th- the winter. Um, but yeah, other than that, I feel great. Uh, my vertigo has been good. Uh, by good, I mean I have not been dizzy much lately, so that's good. Did I say dizzy or busy? I've not been busy. I have been busy, um, but I haven't been dizzy much lately. Oh my gosh. I should not do podcasts when I first wake up. (laughs) I should go get coffee, take a shower, brush my teeth, shave, check the news, stretch, (laughs) and then do a podcast. I feel like you guys would benefit more. Um, let's go to some emails. I was going through some older ones. We have so many. You guys really do like the email. It's awesome. Um, I found an older one. Not that old. A few weeks, I guess. From a listener named Helen. And the subject is, let's talk dreaming slash sleep. Hey guys, love the show, been a subscriber since day one. Thank you, Helen. Question, I thought of you two last night when my three-year-old woke up with his weekly night terror. Uh, He is a normally happy, energetic kid, but about once a week he wakes up a few hours after going to sleep, screaming bloody murder, sounding like his arm has been broken. Being three years old, he doesn't talk much, so I can never figure out what it's all about. So all I can do is just console a shaking, sad baby (laughs) and eventually put him back to bed. My older daughter never did this. Thoughts? Do you have nightmares? Busy, have you heard of kids doing this? You go on, but I'm going to stop right here. I dated a girl who had night terrors. It was fucking horrifying. (laughs) I was dating this girl, and the first night that I spent the night at her apartment, um, you know how the first night you stay somewhere or sleep over at a girl or a guy's house or apartment, you don't sleep really well. You're not in your home. You're not in your environment. You don't have home field field advantage. So it takes you a little while to fall asleep. Your partner, your friend, your lover has probably already fallen asleep and you just lay there. So this was happening the night I, <laughs> the first night I slept over at this girl's house. We'd gone to bed she fell asleep fairly quickly. I was just laying there for a good hour or two. <laughs> and it's really late at night. It's probably like two or three o'clock in the morning. This wasn't a, a screaming night terror though, but she would have very vivid. Well, let me just go on. So I'm laying there awake. All of a sudden 
she sits straight up in bed, uh, turns to her alarm clock. She has a digital alarm clock on the nightstand by her bed. She picks it up, leans over the side of the bed, and puts it under the bed. And then lays back down facing me, eyes wide open, looking at me, but kind of dead-eyed. Like, her eyes are wide open. She's looking at me, but kind of through me. It's really unsettling, (laughs) the look on her face. And uh, I go, why did you just put your clock under the bed? And in just the most monotone voice, no emotion, she goes, because they told me to. And then she rolled over and went to sleep. And the hair on my neck stood up. Uh, I had a chill all the way down my spine. Uh, and really didn't sleep much more that night. Uh, the next day I, when we wake up, I go, um, Hey, why did you put your alarm clock under the bed? She goes, what? I go, you put your clock under the bed and then told me that quote, they told you to, who are they? She's like, uh, I don't know. She goes, Sometimes I do weird things in my sleep. She goes, I have night terrors. and Her night terrors weren't very terrifying, though. She didn't usually scream or anything. But she would be very active, like sleepwalking. And and uh, it was just something that she'd always done. It was very bizarre. Um, I'm glad she didn't scream. I did, however, in probably the... Mid to late 2000s, like probably around 2000, I don't know. No, it was probably earlier. It was earlier 2000s because it was right around 9-11. Sorry, I'm a little allergy-ish. I have the sniffles. Um, I lived in a house with one, two, three roommates. There were three rooms. There were four rooms. I had three rooms roommates. I had the master bedroom. Two of the guys were brothers. One of the guys lived, one of the rooms that one of these guys lived in was a kind of an old, it was like right off the backyard swimming pool. Um, I think it had been a changing room for the pool. Like it wasn't really a bedroom, but they kind of made it into a bedroom. We shared a bathroom And for him to get into the house, he would have to go out through the backyard and around and in through the kitchen or in through the front door or go through my bedroom, which in the middle of the night is not okay. And he never did that except when he had fucking night terrors, which he did often. Um, I remember when I first started living and these were legitimate night terrors. He would wake up. Actually, I should say I would wake up in the middle of the night to the sound of it, the most insane screaming. Like it didn't sound like a guy screaming. It sounded like a woman screaming, but like being murdered. It was bone chilling. It was so fucking scary. He would wake up 
scream, have a nightmare or whatever. I don't know what, what was going on. He would wake up, scream, and scare himself so bad that he would... Well, the first time it happened, I wake up to the sound of a scream, and I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck just happened? It, it was so loud. And then a few minutes later, it's pitch dark in my room, pitch black in my room. He walks in through, he goes into the bathroom, walks through the bathroom, comes into my room and is like slowly walking through my room to get to the house. He's so freaked out. He doesn't want to be in his room. He's so scared that he needs to get in the house, but he is afraid to go out into the backyard because it's the middle of the night. And, uh, He's just like, sorry, man. Sorry, I had, I had a nightmare. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I thought it was just a one-time thing. It happened all the time to the point where I, I started locking my door. That was the best part. I started locking my door to the bathroom, and then he, <laughs> he'd wake up, scream, and try to get into the house through my room and couldn't do it. It sounds like a horrible situation, and it was. It was not the ideal living situation, living with that many people. But I was broke at the time. I was. I just finished. Uh, I was doing reality show jobs. I, I. I don't know if any of you knew this, but I. Um, I worked in reality TV for the, my first job in television. Jobs plural was in reality TV. I worked on Real World Australia. No, no, Road Rules Australia. Then I worked on Road Rules Mexico. This was in the 90s. Then I worked on The Real World Seattle. Then I worked on The Real World Hawaii. Then I left the company that I was working at to go work on The Osbournes. After I worked on The Osbournes, I went and worked at a different company. <laughs> oh my God, th this was the worst. These were the worst ones. This company I went to, I worked on um, Temptation Island 1, and then Temptation Island 2. <laughs> then Joe Millionaire 1 and Joe Millionaire 2. Worst, worst jobs. I, I, I couldn't handle... Reality TV is kind of what put put me into like really bad depression to where I had to start going to see a shrink and um, get on medication. I felt so morally empty. Just these shows where we're manipulating, you know, people and not manipulating people, but in editing, we're manipulating what they do and say to give a false sense of who they are. It, it was fucking horrible. Um, but if you work in reality TV, good for you. Uh, I hope that's working out all right for you. I couldn't do it. I just eventually... I'm going to mute my computer here. Getting emails. I just couldn't do it. I felt horrible. And um, and then I left. After that, my I started writing on... Uh, the Jimmy Kimmel show. I not writing, but I was doing research on the Jimmy Kimmel show uh, for a couple years until uh, I eventually became a writer. I wrote for a little while on Jimmy Kimmel show, and then uh, I left to go do uh, 
act on the Sarah Silverman program on Comedy Central. And that kind of started my whole acting um, career, I guess. <laughs> I still don't know if I... Yeah, it's a career. Um, anyway, yeah, Night Terror. <laughs> Hold on, I gotta have some water. Oh, my frig- refrigerator's back on. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't have any advice for you. Uh, it's probably something that your child will have for the rest of their life. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, I wish Busy was here. I, I don't think her daughters have night terrors. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, I don't want to say common, but I know enough people that have them that, um, maybe I would say it's common. Uh, you know, I think you can, they're probably, I don't know what kind of doctor you would talk to about that. Probably not, uh, probably a doctor of psychology, psychiatry. What I'm saying is I'm no doctor. <laughs> I do have uh, experience, though, dealing with people. Um, uh, I'll read a little bit more of this email. It says, also, my grandfather said he got nightmares if he ate chocolate before bed. Does food affect your dream? Yeah, I, as far as I know, eating before bedtime, not just chocolate, but just eating in general, Especially foods that kind of upset your stomach, like spicy foods, um, definitely affect your dreams. Um, it says here, also, I go months without dreaming. Do you guys dream very much? Is dreaming a sign of good sleep? Uh, I don't know if it's a sign of how well or poorly you're sleeping, but I used to dream a lot. And then for years, I want to say decades, just either didn't dream or did prob- probably more likely didn't remember my dream. I feel like most people dream, but just don't, don't remember them either. They either do or they don't, but people who don't remember their dreams, I think a lot of them say, Oh, I just don't dream. I think it's more, you don't remember them. I could be wrong. Uh, but for the longest time I wasn't dreaming. And then, um, a few months ago, I started dreaming again like crazy. I will say this. It started after doing mushrooms. <laughs> there was a uh, last year, there was a meteor shower. And I went out to Joshua Tree to watch the meteor shower and take photos. And um I was staying, I went to my friend Dave's house out in Joshua Tree. Really magical, awesome place. And I wasn't planning on doing anything. I was just going to go out and watch the the shooting stars. And then uh, a couple friends of mine saw that I was going. They're like, hey, we want to come out to Joshua Tree. We have mushrooms. And this is not something I do very often. I haven't done them in a long, long, long time. I was like, oh, that might be cool with the shooting stars. So... They came out, took some mushrooms, and uh, it was pretty awesome. 
uh, laughed a lot, made the shooting stars look cooler, I guess. <laughs> they would have looked cool without mushrooms. Um, but then I started dreaming again crazy. Not actually even the most pleasant dreams. I, For a couple weeks after doing mushrooms, my dreams were... <clears throat> Or my dreams largely featured people from my life who had died. Like this was the first time in since my dad died that I had had a dream. Of, I I had never had a dream about my dad after he died. And I I think a lot of people when they lose a loved one they have dreams about them. I did not. My dad passed away uh, about two. I guess now it's about two and a half years ago. And um, I, I didn't have dreams. I, I felt kind of bummed. I was like, why Why is? Why am I not at least dreaming about him? He meant a lot to me. Um, and, you, you know, I know dreaming is a way of working through things. I, I was kind of surprised that I had not had any uh, dreams about my father. And then after I did this out in the desert, uh, I had my first dream about my father. Um, I also had a really, really messed up dream um, uh, that I was looking at houses to buy. I live in an apartment. So for the past year or two, all I think about is houses. Now. I think about houses more than I think about girls now. <laughs> I'm in my late 40s. I just want a house. And so I had this dream that I was looking at houses and there was a group of like three or four people in suits and dresses. They were showing and they looked very important and they were showing me a house, a really, really big house. And I am walking around with them and they're showing me the different rooms. And my friend Harris was standing behind me the whole time and Harris passed away. Around the same time my dad passed away. Harris passed away actually about three years ago. And um, I, at a very young age, very unfortunate incident, he was 30 years old. And Harris was standing behind me and he was not talking in the whole dream. He was just following me around, like shadowing me. And finally one of the, the people that was showing me the house goes, Hey, what's the deal with your friend there? And I look at him and I just look back at him. And I go, oh, don't, don't worry about him. He's dead. It was really weird. And I immediately woke up and I was crying. I woke up crying. I don't know why. It was so bizarre. Um, but these were the kinds of dreams I was having after I had taken, <laughs> taken mushrooms. Very vivid. Very realistic. Um, the dreams with dead people eventually stopped after a couple of weeks, but I have since been dreaming very regularly and very, very vividly. Like I remember them and, uh, a, about a week and a half ago, two weeks, maybe I had the worst nightmare I've ever had in my life, my entire life. And it was, uh, it was so horrible. I woke up and it, it had ruined my day. I woke up from this nightmare and it had ruined my day. I, I dreamt that I walked outside of this house and the hills were on fire. There was fire everywhere. Um, 
there were a bunch of people in the backyard of the house next to me and the backyard was flooded. For some reason, there was also a car in the middle of the backyard and there were a bunch of people on top of the car because the floodwaters were rising, but the water was black. It looked like tar and they were screaming for help. And there's, I don't know, there's like four or five of them. And, um, there's just a big bunch of people around in the yard where I was watching this and uh, there's like helicopters circling. It was really like an intense situation. And then they slowly start to make a chain, like hold hands and then like swim through the water to get to where we are. And they can't quite reach our yard. So I'm just like, there's people like filming it with their phones and I'm like, why is nobody helping them? So I, I wade in the water up to my waist. I grab the the chain of people and I start pulling them towards towards you know the sh- not shore but I towards land towards dry ground. And as I pull them out one at a time, they are all fucking dead. They have just blank eyes are looking at me, kind of like kind of like my ex who would had to sleep terror or whatever when she said they told me to just this dead look in their eyes, you know, like a dead person (laughs) 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 trying to just, just picture a dead person with their eyes open. That's what it was like, but they were all dead and I pulled them in one at a time and they were, it was odd because they were just looking at me, but dead. And it was the worst feeling. I woke up, I wasn't crying, but I woke up so disturbed that I couldn't help these people and that people in the dream that had been watching it were like, why didn't you help them? (laughs) These people who are filming it with their phones were like, why didn't you help them sooner? So there was a guilt element to it. And my whole day was wrecked. That's my dream. Um, All right. Uh, Oh, she goes on to talk about sleep apnea and ask if I've ever done a sleep study. No, but my friend Kelsey recently emailed me. She works and she uh, oversees sleep studies. Like she sits in a room monitoring people while they sleep. Weird job. Her and my friend Valinda both do this. And she, uh, I just recently saw an email from her, an old email. I never check my Facebook, Um, but I saw an email from her about um, wondering if I wanted to do a sleep study. And I think I might do that. Just I'm I'm curious. I know I snore sometimes. uh, So I'd love to do a sleep study. Um, I think I should do it for the podcast. I'll just do it and... Maybe I can give Kelsey or Valinda uh, uh, my recorder and they can just (laughs) describe what's happening. That's kind of an awesome idea. Them just going, okay, Steve's snoring now. Oh, he just rolled over. Um, I would edit it down, but that might be something funny. I'm going to email her and see if uh, I can do a sleep study. So uh, we will keep you up to date with that. Um, you guys got anything good going on for, hold on, let me archive this email. Anything good going on for Valentine's day coming up? I once had 
This was really weird. The longest I ever dated a girl was <clears throat> through the second half of college, and then we moved to we moved to New York for a brief time together, and then uh, we actually moved to LA together. We dated for probably five or six years. Um, where was I going with this? Oh my God, I don't. Oh, Valentine's Day. <laughs> you're seeing a guy, you're listening to a guy lose his mind in real time. Uh, no, I dated this girl for like a really long time and then we broke up. So after six years, it's kind of traumatic. She was like one of my first like real girlfriends. And, um, I think it hadn't even been a year. Like I was still bummed out about it. And she called me on, I will never forget this. She called me on Valentine's day. I was like, Oh, this is a pleasant surprise. She's called me on Valentine's day, but ended up the phone call ended up being her telling me that she was dating somebody, which is the fucking worst thing to do. On a Valentine's Day. And she's... We're still friends. She was like... Granted, that was a little bit trying right back then. But like... She wasn't... She didn't mean anything bad by it. I just don't think she thought it through like... Oh, it's Valentine's Day. Maybe he's sad today. I shouldn't tell him I'm dating. She called me on Valentine's Day and ended up telling me she was dating someone else. I was so bummed out and oddly enough, my, my best friend at the time also called me to say that he had just found out that his girlfriend had cheated on him. And so he came over, he drove, he didn't live in LA. He drove out to LA. We went down to Venice beach and drank a bottle of Southern comfort. We just got shit faced. That was probably the worst Valentine's day ever. (laughs) What if I was like, that was the third worst Valentine's Day I had ever had. Um, yeah, Valentine's Day is a real weird holiday. That is an absolute manufactured holiday by flower companies, by greeting card companies, by chocolate companies. It is so manufactured, and yet... You now, now if you're dating someone, you really do have to uh, play into it, or you're a dick. <laughs> you are a fucking dick if you don't play into it. And granted, I love you know when I'm dating someone, uh, giving them gifts, taking them to dinner, uh, sh- taking them places. You know, uh, I love doing all that stuff. It is weird, though, that it there's one specific day where you have to do it. You should be doing it all the time, but it's weird that it, there's that one day where if you don't do it, you're an asshole. <laughs> you asshole. You didn't buy me chocolate, you dick. I bought you some yesterday. Yeah, but today's Valentine's Day. Oh my god. Um, let's go to uh do I have anything else to say on the subject of Valentine's Day? I do have something to say. 
for those of you, this is going to be a very, very specific area, but I don't know if any of you live near Telluride, Colorado. <laughs> Next weekend, I am not this coming weekend, but the weekend, actually the day after Valentine's Day, February 15th, I am flying to um, Telluride, Colorado with some friends to do a comedy festival. I will be there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, I've never been. Actually, I, I w once went to Telluride when I was younger to go skiing. But this will be my first time as a grown-up and as a comedian performing there in a really nice theater. So... Uh, I think it's probably a little bit of a drive from Denver, but if you live in Denver, you're looking to get away for the weekend, maybe come down to Telluride. Uh, I don't know a website info or anything, but if you go to, if you just Google Telluride Comedy Festival, I think you will eventually find what you need to find. <laughs> so I almost totally forgot about that. Also, if you live in the Florida Panhandle area and the outer lying states like Alabama or uh, Louisiana, I will be the weekend after that, the weekend of the 23rd through like the 25th and leaving on my birthday, I will be in Pensacola, Florida for a, uh, a convention, <clears throat> not like a Kind of like a boring old um, <laughs> uh, insurance convention. Like it's uh, like a sci-fi convention. One of those. It's like Comic Con. It's a con. They don't call them conventions because then you get them mixed up for insurance convention. It's a con. I'm going to a con. <laughs> it's called Pensacon, and I will be at that. So I don't know if you're a nerd and you're going to the. The um, the Pensacon in Pensacola, Florida. I will be there uh, the entire weekend. Whew. A lot of traveling in the winter. Busy and I were just talking about this. She's like, wouldn't it be amazing if neither of us got the flu? Our flu shots have kicked in. And I know it doesn't really cover a lot of this year's flu, but fingers crossed. I was reading on the CDC website. Yeah, I read the CDC website uh, that this year's flu vaccine covers like 10 to 30% of the flu. So that's better than zero, I guess. And they say that even if you do get the flu, having the flu shot may make your symptoms less bad. I think we talked about this on the last podcast you know, and used Nicole Sullivan as a reminder Anyway, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous that I'm flying a lot this month. Um, but whatever. You can't... Honestly, there was a time when I would let... This is so hypochondriac specific, but I would let cold and flu season limit my travel. Like, if, if I didn't have to go somewhere, I wouldn't. Even though I had opportunities to go cool places, I would be like... Nah, I'm good. And I would always lie saying, oh, I can't. I'm busy. You know, um, if someone said, uh, oh, we're, we're renting this cabin in Colorado, we're going to all going to go skiing. You should come. 
I would always say stuff like, oh, no, I'm, I can't. I have to work, <laughs> even when I didn't, just because it was cold and flu season and I was paranoid. And I almost never get the flu. So uh, one good thing about getting older and just a little more wiser is I, I just don't want to let my own fear and often irrational fear uh, dictate what I do and don't do, you know, just kind of blanket my life experiences. And uh, you, you just can't let fear dictate, you know, your activities or lack of activities, I guess. <sighs> this is a uh, real talk with Steve A.G. on We're No Doctors podcast. Right here on Starburns Audio. By the way, I know some of you actually were uh, leaving comments on our Instagram. Uh, some of you don't use iTunes or podcasting apps and actually um, listen to the podcast on through your web browser. And once Feral Audio went away... Um, and the podcast was no longer at feralaudio.com, you had problems getting the podcast. I know now, yesterday I looked, if you go to Starburns, oh boy, now, now I'm going to screw this, I'm going to look it up right now. It's Starburns, Starburns, I'm typing it in. Oh, Starburns, yep. Go to starburns.audio. There are so many websites now that .com that it's almost impossible to find an available .com for your website. So now they're branching out. There's actually a .audio now instead of a .com. So if you go to starburns, S-T-A-R-B-U-R-N-S, .audio, you can see a list of all the podcasts at Starburns. And um, I'm looking at it right now. On the home page, there's a menu. Click menu. And click podcasts. And um, okay, I'm hit clicking podcasts. I'm going to scroll down. Oh, to We're No Doctors. There we are. And. Underneath uh, the description of We're No Doctors, there are a bunch of options for subscribing and listening to us. So go to Starburns Audio, and under subscribe, you have uh, you know your iTunes, Apple Podcasts app. You can click that to find a link to us and subscribe. Um, Google Play, there's a, a link. Uh, there's an app called TuneIn. T-U-N-E-I-N, but it's all one word. There's also Stitcher. But at the very bottom of that is also an, a link for RSS feed. And um, you can click that and listen on the internet. <laughs> I sound so old. Oh. <laughs> I'm also, look, I, I scrolled a little lower and it has all our episodes. You can just listen at Starburns Audio. Uh, yeah. All 25 are up there right now. So yeah, just go to starburns.audio if you want to listen through. 
Guys, I'm really struggling today. I am shocked, though, that it has been 45 minutes and I have done this without giving up. <laughs> I didn't know what I would talk about. Um, yeah, so Starburns Audio is up and running. I just found that out yesterday. A slick new website. All right, let's go to another email. Uh, boy, this is fun, right, guy? Right, guy? Right, guys? Um, oh, here's one from a listener named Celia. Uh, the subject is you guys helped me get through the stomach flu. Now I don't know if I want to read this. <laughs> uh, dear busy and Steve, a few days before Christmas, I got the, that goddamn stomach bug flu norovirus. I want to talk about the norovirus. I have a feeling if I don't do it right now, I will forget by the end of this email. So I'm going to do it. The email is open. I won't forget about the email. Uh, Busy and I did a show. Well, Busy did a show. I went to watch the show and hang out uh, this past Saturday at Largo here in Los Angeles. It was a thrilling adventure hour show. And a really great show. Busy sang a couple songs that were awesome. Everyone, it was a musical show, and it was really great. And um, it was through the Thrilling Adventure Hour, which was a live kind of staged old-timey radio show uh, that is also a podcast. You can find episodes of the Thrilling Adventure Hour podcast. I highly recommend it. It's really cool. And it was created by these two guys, both named Ben. One last name, Acker. The other, the last name, Blacker. And I believe Acker listens to this, so he's going to get an earful about coming to that show with neurovirus. Uh, so Acker and Blacker put on this show, and they were both at the show on uh, Saturday. Uh, Acker wasn't talking. He had no voice. He was voiceless. He was completely hoarse. He would whisper. And uh, he was in the green room and someone was like, why are you, uh, where's your voice? And he's like, he basically said he lost his voice from throwing up so much. <laughs> I immediately wanted to just leave the room. Every bit of hypochondriac in me was like, just go home. Not him. It was, I, I was saying to myself, go home. You don't want to be here. Now that it's been <clears throat> like five days, I, I think I'm safe. But uh, he said he uh, he went to the doctor, uh, urgent care, and thought he had the flu, but it was neurovirus, which is the stomach flu, which is not the flu. I did not know this. I'm 49 years old. I did not know that stomach flu and flu were different things. I'm an idiot. Um, part of it is because Stomach flu has the word flu in it. So I'm not that stupid. But uh, neurovirus, you usually get through, you know, food, like food poisoning or, or stuff like that. It's not influenza. It's not the actual influenza virus. It's a different kind of virus altogether. And it usually only lasts like a day. It's like the 20. People will all say, I have the 24 hour flu. You don't have the, you have neurovirus, the stomach flu. It's all very confusing to me, but um, that's what he had. And I was like, that's really contagious, right? He's like, I'm not contagious anymore. 
I looked it up and it said you can you can be contagious for like up to a week afterwards. This was like he was there like three or four days after he had had it. Granted, I'm not sick now, so he probably was not sick, and this is all hearsay. But I was annoyed that he was there so soon after having the stomach flu. By the way, neurovirus sounds horrifying. It sounds like something out of the movie Contagion, which I just watched again. I don't know why I did that. Uh, Okay, so... I don't know why I told that story. Nobody got the neurovirus. As far as I know, everyone who was at that show is fine. (laughs) Sorry, Ben. Okay, so a few days before Christmas, I got that goddamn stomach bug flu neurovirus that seems to be creeping through the country. Uh, It was the first time I've gotten a stomach flu, so it was super weird and traumatizing. It was also the first time I'd vomited since I was in the third grade. Oh, my God. I I don't want to read this now. I'm 34, so my 26-year vomit-free streak was finally broken. Okay, this is hitting too close to home. I'm 48. I haven't thrown up since I was 18. I haven't thrown up in 30 years. I am constantly thinking about throwing up. It's my biggest fear. Um, I think about it constantly. Every time I eat food, I'm like, oh my God, I hope this this is good. I hope this this meat, and it, it, usually it's like meat or even though I know like most food poisoning comes through like produce or if it's meat, it's usually chicken or fish, which I don't eat chicken, <clears throat> um, fish I don't like. So it's probably why I also haven't thrown up in 30 years. Uh, but it is something I think about constantly. And I also am now in the mindset of, okay, what are the odds I go another 30 years without throwing up? Not that good. Chances are I'm going to throw up sooner than later now. Okay, so let's go on. I'm 36, so my 26-year vomit-free streak was finally broken. It was such a monumental moment for me. Going that long without throwing up has made me fear the inevitable day when I would She's saying exactly how I feel. It had been so long that I was afraid I wouldn't even know how to do it. Oh my God, she's literally writing word for word how I feel. I was afraid I wouldn't even know how to do it, how to throw up, or that my body would seize up in such terror that I would suppress it and just make things worse. Oh God, this is hard to read. Though jarring, the vomiting actually wasn't too bad. Oh, thank God. I'm so goddamn glad you wrote that. The rest of the stomach flu experience, however, was such a bummer, obviously. But I wanted you both to know that you inadvertently helped me out a little bit. While I miserably hung out with the toilet during the worst bouts of nausea... I tried to focus on something calming to think about. Turns out thinking of you two and the conversation you recently had on (laughs) diarrhea was the most calming thing I could focus on. (laughs) Oh, God. Um, So you were sort of my comfort during this unhappy time. Later that day, I listened to your early episode on poop which was also reassuring. 
I had actually avoided listening to that episode before because, like Steve, I also hate poop talk. But this was the one time where I was eager to hear it. Happy 2018, Celia. Uh, thanks for that email, I guess, Celia. Wow, a 26-year... I really wish you would have given us some more details in this email like about how you think you got the neurovirus. Did you get it through food or contact with another human? Ugh. I I hate hearing that. I have a lot of, I actually have quite a few friends who are on the same boat as me where they haven't I have a friend Matt Fussfeld who is a uh writer and a producer who uh uh, I also share the fear of of throwing up with, and we quite regularly email each other about close calls. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I'm glad it wasn't as bad as you remember. I kind of feel like it'll be the same way. Like just you heave and it's out, and hopefully it doesn't last too long. I don't know. Believe me, the day I throw up again, it's going to be a huge, very special episode of We're No Doctors. Oh, man. That that, that email really hit me hard, you guys. <laughs> Here's one from a guy. Oh, I thought it said Eric. Here's one from someone named Aaron. The subject is hypochondriac. Wondering if Busy still needs an assistant. Oh, that's an assistant one. That's one for Busy, which I probably already passed on to her. Um, there's one from someone named Katrina. Katarina, sorry, not Katrina. Katarina, bad blood and a load of shame. Ooh. This is a long one. But wow, this is a really long one. But uh, let's uh, let's let's dig into it. Hi, Stephen Busy. I'm 25 years old and live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I've been listening to your podcast for a few weeks and love it. I myself am a self am I myself am a God. I have the worst habit of my mouth getting ahead of my brain when I'm reading, and I get mush mouth and tongue tied. I myself am a self-proclaimed hypochondriac, and even though some of the things you guys talk about scare the shit out of me, I had to skip the episode where you talked about brain-eating brain amoebas. Anything with the brain freaks me out. I get it. Uh, you don't have to apologize to Busy and myself. There's something kind of comforting about it. When I was 21 years old, I was diagnosed with leukemia. Being in your 20s is already a tough time. But to be diagnosed with cancer and live 2,000 miles away from immediate family is just the icing on the cake. At the end of the day, I'm so glad I was living in the Bay Area and not in rural Ohio with my parents because I have a phenomenal oncologist and access to so many resources. There are so many symptoms and crazy things that come along with leukemia. For example, at the time of my diagnosis, my spleen which is tucked up inside of your rib cage, was massively enlarged. It was so big that when my doctor pressed on my stomach, he could f couldn't feel the end of it. Oof. <clears throat> it turned out that it expanded all the way to my pelvic bone. Jesus Christ. 
As of today, technically, I still have leukemia, but I take a daily medication that controls it. Basically, it's managed as a chronic condition and could be most of my life. I still struggle on and off with anemia, which more often than not occurs in leukemia patients, but I am able to live a normal life with my bad blood. That's amazing, uh, Aaron. Uh, or Aaron was the last one. Katarina. That's amazing, Katarina. Um, let's see. Uh, I have to say the physical illness of leukemia is a tough pill to swallow, and I was very, very sick at the time of my diagnosis. But none of that compares to the toil it took on my mental health. Obvi oh, my God, of course. Uh, I can only imagine. When I was diagnosed, I put on such a brave face and didn't allow myself to process what had just happened to me. I cried a few times the first week, but beyond that, I just suppressed my emotions. I felt like such a burden uh, and didn't want to be pitied. I also didn't want anyone to be worried about me. That's such a that's such a common thing with people who are sick. My dad was the same way. It was really sad. I just wanted my dad to be open and sad and, you know, honest with us all. And he was just really kind of hid all his pain for, for a while. Eventually it got so bad that he just opened up to us and, uh, uh, it's, yeah, I'm just going to go on with this or I'm going to start crying. Uh, I also didn't want anyone to be worried about my, me. My parents lived in Ohio and I really struggled financially. So it was not an easy thing for them to just hop on a plane to be with me. Uh, uh, and I didn't want them to feel bad about that. They were the first thing I thought about when I was diagnosed, of course. Telling them may just be one of the worst moments of my life. Ugh, I, I, can, I can only imagine. I hated doing that to them. Anyways, suppressing all that shit eventually came back to bite me. I started suffering from panic attacks about a year in. I was responding well to treatment and doing so well. So anxiety seemed like such a strange thing to deal with. I didn't tell anyone for a long, for so long, but it got progressively worse. I was dealing with multiple panic attacks a week for about 2.5 years before I decided to reach out for help. Yep, that's a story of my life, Katarina. Um, uh, I originally sought to help for my sought help for my anxiety, and that was it. I knew deep down that I was also depressed, but I was in denial about that. All the signs were there, but it just didn't want, but I just didn't want to admit it because I was too embarrassed. Uh, I absolutely know what you're talking about. Uh, I did some therapy, but wasn't too crazy about it. I felt like my depression was starting to take the lead. And even though I was so against taking medication, I, uh, parentheses, I had nothing against other people taking it, just myself. I woke up one morning with the thought that it's okay if you need medicine. It's really okay. Um, this is me talking, Steve. I completely agree that it is okay. Um, it was so weird because it had been years since I had thought that clear or or moment that, that felt as peaceful as that one did. I've been taking Wellbutrin now for about 2.5 months, and it definitely helps. I still feel the presence of my depression and anxiety, but I just feel better equipped to handle them. One of the many things it revealed was just how bad I felt. I get a little teary-eyed thinking about it. I went, 
I went a year just feeling absolutely awful, but as humans do, we get used to it. Ugh. Yep. Um, as humans, we get used to it. It's just the norm. You really don't realize how bad you felt until you start feeling better. Um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, it's amazing just how controlling anxiety and depression can be. It's such a mind fuck. You become such a rec- recluse and yet feel so intensely lonely. I felt so empty and numb for so long and yet incredibly heavy at the same time. I hated myself and felt too ashamed of struggling with mental health. I just felt like I didn't have a real reason to feel this way because things could be far worse. I still really struggle with shame and with being open and honest with myself and others. I still have bad days, but I have some hope now. Uh, I can tell you, uh, Katarina, the more you talk about this and are open with it, uh, the better it gets and the less shame you feel. I was the same way. I, I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I was so fucking embarrassed just of my anxiety and my panic attacks. I lived with them more than 2.5 years. I I lived with this shit for almost a decade before I was telling people about it. I was so ashamed and uh, I felt weak. You know, I felt if I had to get medication that made me weak. Um, and I definitely didn't want to talk about it. And I, I managed to hide it from girlfriends, from family. It was crazy. Um, and now I talk about it any chance I get. Anyone who wants to talk about mental illness with me uh, is more than welcome to. Um, people have come up to me on the street, you know, saying, hey, I listened to your podcast or I heard you on someone else's podcast. I love talking about it. I love letting people know that there's nothing wrong with uh, getting help, whether it's just uh, talking to a a therapist or medication. In the end, you want to feel better. That's, that's the number one thing. In the end, you, you want peace of mind. You want to feel comfortable in your own skin. Oh man. Sorry for the long letter. You guys should do an episode on blood disorders. I agree. And if you ever have any questions about leukemia or anemia, I'm happy to answer them. I find it far easier to share these things with complete strangers (laughs) than I do with the people in my life. Uh, Yeah, I get that too. Uh, Thank you guys for being so open and honest about physical health and mental health. You do such a great job of stressing the real importance of health all while providing comedic relief. As I said before, it's comforting uh, to this fellow hypochondriac. Take care, cat. Oh, shit, I've been calling you Katarina. Well, uh, thank you, cat. This was, uh, I think, a great email to end on. Um, uh, Yeah, and good for you in getting help. And I'm glad this is something you can live with. I... The second I saw leukemia in your email, uh, I'm not going to lie. My The first thought was very dark. Um, I honestly, you know, don't know a lot about that. Leukemia, or cancer, any. Oh, my God. It's my, my dentist just is calling. Uh, so I immediately just go to a dark place when I see the word cancer or see the word leukemia. Um, 
but it's good to know this is something you can manage. Uh, congratulations. I'm very happy for you. Um, keep us updated. Uh, and thanks for the email. All right. Um, <laughs> not going to lie. There were a couple of times I almost cried in that email. But I'm a strong white male. <laughs> That's the worst thing to say. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> so stupid. This has been over an hour. I've talked for over an hour. Um, I hope you found this a worthwhile episode, guys. Um, thank you for listening. We will be back again with Busy, I promise. I'm also very curious. Oh, I know why my dentist is calling. I didn't cover this, but last week, uh, oh, this was a horrible horrible thing. I went to my dentist and, um, uh, I had had a root canal last year, late in the year, but it was a very back tooth and, um, I'd had a bunch of other dental work done. So my dental insurance only covers a certain amount of money. I had the root canal and my dental insurance was used up. Anything else would have been out of pocket. So they kind of put like a temporary cap on my tooth. And they said, you know, you need to come in and get fitted for a crown. Crowns are expensive. So I thought I could wait to the beginning of the this year. <laughs> like four or five months or whatever it was. I was like, oh, I can wait that long. Until my insurance kicks back in. So I go in to the dentist last week and they're like, oh my God, where have you been? What, why didn't you come in and get that taken care of? I was like, I want, I needed to wait for my insurance to kick back in so I could afford to do this. And they go, well, in the time that you waited, the cap fell off, like your temporary fell off. Your tooth looks horrible. Um, you basically undid everything we did. And so I now need to have that tooth pulled all the way out and have an implant put in a bone graph. I have to have something called a bone graph. So they're going to pull this tooth out, do a bone graph. And then I have to wait six months for the bone marrow or whatever it is to fill in so I can have uh, an implant put in. That's what I did by waiting. Ugh. And they also pulled off two really old fillings, silver filling. One fell off and the other one was about to. And so they took that off and they were going to do it in two weeks. But I said, let's just do both teeth at once. Looking back, I don't know if that was a great idea because that was a long day last Thursday when they ground both my teeth down and uh, fitted me for crowns. So uh, I think... Yeah, my dentist just... Oh, she just texted me as well. Hi, Steve. We have your crown back. I have an opening for this Friday at 12 p.m. Please confirm if that works. Guys, I guess I'm going to go get my crown put on. Um. Well, that's it. I'll leave you guys with that great news. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening. It means a lot. Please subscribe and uh, rate and comment on us on iTunes or wherever you uh, get your... Um, 
podcasts. Uh, and thank you for your listenership. It means a lot. Keep the emails coming. They're amazing. And uh, have a great weekend, you guys. Thanks. Oh, and uh, <laughs> take everything we say with a grain of salt because I'm no doctor. <laughs> Bye. Hey, everyone. It's me, Steve. AG. You know, <laughs> I'm here to let you know that Starburns Audio has a new survey. Uh, just go to starburns.audio slash survey. Um, we're trying to get to know our listeners a little bit better. Uh, and it only takes a few minutes, I promise. But uh, it makes a massive difference to the podcasters at um, Starburns Audio. Believe me, we uh, are trying to get to know a little bit more about you, what you like, what you don't like. Um ideas you may have to make things run smoother. Um, this really is a helpful survey because um, currently podcasting is still kind of like the Wild West. We still don't know a lot. It's uh, it's a new medium. Um, so your responses make everything a lot easier. Uh, it's incredibly helpful and uh, incredibly quick. So again, just go to starburns.audio slash survey. And uh, fill it out. Help help a brother out. All right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Hello, I'm Dave Ross. Hey, and I'm Hampton Young. And we host Suicide Buddies on Starburns Audio. That's right. It's a podcast about suicide, but not to make light of it. We actually talk about suicidal thoughts, depression, kind of with a sense of levity that Dave and I have with each other. He's my best friend. Come on. Yeah, we're buddies. <laughs> suicide buddies. <laughs> That's the title. One of our favorite episodes that we've recorded so far is about this guy, Jan Pataki, who was a Polish aristocrat in the 19th century. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, one of the reasons it's possible that he killed himself <laughs> is that he thought he was a werewolf. Oh. Check out a clip. It also makes me think, like, we were talking about in the Norway uh, black metal episode, how, like, just the culture of your surroundings can affect you. Like, yeah. he's in a castle in Poland. <laughs> He's like, I mean, if yeah. you lived in a castle in Poland and no one knew anything about anything, you might be like, I'm a bat. I'm probably a bat. <laughs> <laughs> That's like literally what happened to Batman. <laughs> he literally is in his mansion. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm a, a bat. bat. I'm a bat. I'm a, I'm a bat. bat. I'm a, I'm I'm a bat. bat that helps people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bat that helps people. I'm a, I'm a I don't know what you want from me. And my, uh, and my girlfriend, she's a cat. She's a cat. My she, girlfriend's she, a cat. She steals things. She's a woman who steals things. She's a cat. I'm a bat. I'm a I bat. People. She's a cat. We fight a penguin. My. Uh, my <laughs> <laughs>